Welcome back to Ecolation. Sometimes with this series, we poke around the edges of an issue to find an easier way in. But there are times when you have no option but to jump feet first into the squelchy mud of an argument. And there's none more murky than the current discussion around our peatlands, our bogs and turf. One hotly contested part of the Climate Action Plan in Ireland is the call for an end to all peat extraction. Since 2019, commercial extraction has all but ceased, but people are still incredibly passionate about the subject because for many farmers and communities in the Midlands, our bogs are seen as a source of fuel, a source of income, and for many, a way of life. But what do you do when that way of life is at odds with the action we have to take to combat the climate crisis? We loathe to drive too much, but in late 2021, we took a road trip with Dr. Shane to Offaly. We are driving along the edge of Clarabog on both sides of the road here, and this road was built back in the 18th century. And when it was built, it was built right across the dome of a peatland in Ireland, a raised bog. And because of the drainage associated with this road, the bog immediately dropped six metres. So right now, 100 years ago, we'd be driving through peat, solid peat. But now because the road is here and it's drained all the water out of it, the sponge that the bog was has contracted, it's shrunk down. We're here today because we've got a group of scientists from all across Europe, from about six different countries in mainland Europe, who frankly used to have a lot more peatland than they do now. So they're visiting Ireland to look at the peatlands of Ireland, to see how we protect them, and to learn lessons and bring it back to their countries across Europe. Now it's not going to be easy, but some of these places are quite difficult to get to. We're driving down a very, very narrow country lane now with a minibus full of scientists. We may not be able to turn it around. Uh-oh, we'll leave them to try and sort out that tricky manoeuvre. So, what do you guys think a bog is? Um, isn't a bog a different kind of lumpy road, isn't it? Like, some, like that. Uh, I think... It's just loads of fog. I think a bog is a marshy area of ground with lots of reeds, um, abundant wildlife and uh, lots of fogs. A bog is just the Irish way of saying swamp. Dead plants surrounded by water. It's a wet, marshy swampland. My dad spent half of his life next to a bog. People have been using bogs for um, a while for storing treasures. Some treasures from Vikings, so no one can find them. In other countries, a few of the most wondered about human remains are not from bogs. Irish elk skeletons have been found there, and they were once the biggest type of deer in the world. Uh, I think I've been to a bog before. I was too scared to go in because it was during summertime, and I usually feared wasps. Pretty sure that bogs are the place where you can get turf from. Turf? I think it's like the wood what you put in the fire. Fossilised yeah. wood. I've been near bogs. I think they're quite good for the environment, but burning them isn't. Hmm, I think we're on the right track, but maybe we should ask an expert. I'm Peter Labraki Cox. I'm a PhD student in Trinity studying the carbon that comes out through the water of bogs. Essentially what normally happens in a normal ecosystem is living things grow, they die, they fall onto the ground, and then they decompose or rot. What happens in a bog that's slightly different is that they grow, they die, they fall down, and then they enter the water. And being in the water, 
which has no oxygen in it, means that they don't degrade or rot, which means that the carbon that's usually lost through that rotting process isn't lost and is stored in this really spongy soil called peat. And that's why we call them peatlands. So that's why, for example, peatlands in general will hold the same amount of carbon in their soil as the world's forests, even though they make up much less than the land surface in the world. So, a healthy peatland would be a very useful ally in combating climate change? Our bogs have the potential to be carbon sinks. A carbon sink is just a piece of land or an ecosystem that will absorb or take in carbon from the atmosphere, or essentially takes in more carbon from the atmosphere than it releases into the atmosphere. So it's a net minus, if you will. There are huge amounts of peatlands across Ireland. So, why is Clara Bog our study for today? Clara Bog is our best example of a raised bog in Ireland and the healthiest one. So I'm actually looking at three different bogs. One is Gary Duff, which was a Bordenamona site, which was completely mined. It just looks like the end of the world. Another site, which is in the middle of being rehabilitated, so they're re-wetting it and they're trying to make it start taking in carbon again, turn it into that carbon sink. And then the other one is Clara, as my kind of best case scenario. So how much of Ireland is actually covered in peat? We reckon there's about 1.4 million hectares of peat soil in Ireland, which covers about 20% of the country. The problem is, though, you can't see half of that because it's in grassland, or there's forest on top of it, or it's been drained so it doesn't look like peatland anymore. Really extensive. The carbon is still there, but we can't see it. I guess the only real way to feel a connection to Ireland's peatlands is to visit them. How many of you have ever visited a bog? Quite often, uh, me and my family, we would go to Lully Moor because it has the bog there and we like to go on the walk around. It's a very nice place, but you can tell that it has been like cut a good bit. It was really mushy and wet. There are two types of bogs in Ireland, blanket bogs and raised bogs. Here in Skullbreed Laka, we are situated in the quiet town's land of Laka, near Monasterov in County Kildare. Bogs have unusual plants such as sundew, ling, heather and cranberry plants, which produces the cranberry fruit in autumn for many bogland animals and birds. There are lots of trees and we found a frog and horsehoof prints. What makes it special is probably the fact that it's so quiet and peaceful with loads of different colours. It was lots of shades of green and brown. It was very marshy. The land itself, in what was to me a very strange manner, was extremely soft. Approximately 70% moisture was the cause of this. So if any substance of people were to jump or walk on certain areas, the resulting vibrations could then be felt very clearly. When we went, we all got to jump on the boat and it was kind of like jumping on a sponge and it was very fun. I visit every year with my parents to foot turf and draw turf home for the winter ahead. What made it special for me is making memories with my dad walking on the bog Preparing tough for the winter ahead. It was marshy, bouncy and colourful. The one I've been on is um, more of a marshland. Uh, it's a very beautiful place, uh, very peaceful and quiet. It was really wild, full of flowers and had loads of birds. It homes loads of rare animals. Seeing all the animals felt really nice. Everything depends on each other. The group of people gathered on Clara Bog last October were a mixed bag. Scientists, farmers, locals, people who were invested in repairing our box. But every expedition needs a leader. We're going to go out onto the bog. Uh, just before we go on, 
where we're standing now would have been below four meters of peat. So it's all been cut away and as a result the bog has sunk down. Jim Ryan is a legend in Irish peatlands. He's actually Australian and he'll admit that as soon as you talk to him. He came over from Australia about 50 years ago to Ireland and realised how important peatlands were in Ireland and quickly got a job at our National Park Service. And all the way back then, he was involved in the designation of our protected areas, which is really important because they need designation. In other words, they need a line on a map to say what's protected and what's not. Anyway, Jim Ryan, 20, 30 years ago, started talking to these landowners, especially the ones around where we are now, Clara Bog, about how important the area is and about how you need to protect it, but also about how the European Union are telling us to protect it because it's really valuable. And this kind of peatland, active raised bog, isn't found anywhere else in Europe. So Ireland is really important for this. The problem being, those farmers in the area still wanted to dig the turf out because it was still valuable to them. So that's where that long conversation with the local landowners started that they've only recently resolved. Now, I just want us to go out on the bog, try and keep reasonably close together so that you can hear each other and we can hear anyone scream as they start to sink away into the bog. But always watch your step. There are so many people invest in our bogs, but given that farmers own large tracts of our peat landscape, it's kind of important that they be gotten on site. Hi, my name is Caroline Lawler, and I'm project managing a project in the Midlands, and it's called the Farm Peat Project, a project working with farmers who have land around raised bogs, and some of their land is on peat soils. And so we're interested in working with the farmers to find a way that we can manage the peat soils that the farmer is happy with, and it's also good for the environment, and for climate, and for biodiversity and for water. We have about eight farmers signed up for the project in Clara. We had lots more that were interested, which was great, but we had to just select um, some of them this year and hopefully next year we'll have more involved. As to the level of engagement in terms of actions and what they're willing to do, we don't know yet, but we are getting a lot of interest and that's good. The people who are farming the land around the bogs they're really vital I suppose in terms of protecting the bogs so the land around the bog if it's managed in the right way it can actually support the hydrology and the conservation of the main bog and so if it's if it's not managed in the right way and it's drained and further damaged it's not only releasing carbon but it's also like in, impacting the bog in terms of drainage and taking all the water out of it and then you know it's, it's increasing the loss of the species that are on the bog. That loss of flora and fauna and our bogs as carbon sinks is something people are trying to reverse but how did we get here? Hi, my name is Fernando. I'm working as professional ecologist on the conservation of peatlands in Ireland for the last 18 years. I always want to work in nature conservation and my background is in ecology. And when I came to Ireland 20 years ago, they gave me the opportunity to get to know this fantastic landscape. A lot of you know that if you've ever bought a peat briquette or seen turf by a fire, it's pretty dry material, right? I mean, it has to be in order to catch fire to heat homes and drive power stations. But when I hear the word boggy, what I really think is something squishy and wet. What gives? So we are standing on a hill, on a bog, and this hill didn't exist 20 years ago. So what happened here is because of drainage and turf cutting, the bog is full of water, and once you drain it, you lose water, and the surface of the bog starts sinking, and the vegetation is very dry. The superheroes of fighting climate change, which are these mosses called sphagnums, don't survive on these areas anymore. So sphagnum moss are the bog builders. When you look at the bog, like Clara, in some sections we have nine metres of peat under our feet. The majority of that peat is formed by sphagnums. 
and they have these really colorful mosses. So that's what we call them, the superheroes or the bog builders. We need them to keep the bog alive and to continue growing and capturing carbon. Ecologists, up until, let's say, 20 years ago, we were not paying much attention to what is their role in fighting climate change, whether they're emitting carbon or capturing carbon. If a bog is intact, it's overall a carbon sink, and a carbon sink is taking carbon from the atmosphere. But because all the bogs in Ireland are damaged, they are drained, we have modified the topography, Sphagnum cannot live. So right now, they are all carbon sources. So instead of locking the carbon in moist, wet peatland, without intervention, our bogs are actually part of the problem. Thankfully, help is at hand. Jack McCauley works with a scheme called the Living Bog to try and get water back into drained peatlands. What we're doing is we're working on the fringes in the main, blocking uh, peat dams on the cutover, and a lot of sites, they were drained on the high bog as well. So we're blocking all drains on the high bog and all drains on the cutover. So when you look at the bog like this one, well, there were ditches all over the place, and the whole idea is to block them using peat, preferable, or plastic when you have no other choice. And by building what we call dams, you are keeping the water on the bog, and the, what we call water table levels go up, and we need the water table levels high. So that's the purpose of, of hydrological restoration, bringing the water to the surface. But the key point to remember is that all of these sites aren't entirely state-owned, and we can only work where local stakeholders come on board. So that's why it's, it's very good to have some of the local stakeholders here today to give an overview of that. Without local buy-in, you know, there isn't a whole lot you can do. What Jack means by stakeholders is a community. It's people, and in this case, it's farmers. Hi, my name is Jonathan. I own a farm over that side of the bog there. I run down to the bog and it's unusual for a farmer. He, he likes to push his best foot forward and be talking about his good land, but you're all here to talk about the bad land. <laughs> <laughs> like as a farmer, we use this as a fuel source and then we were told we couldn't use it as a fuel source and we knew it was a nature reserve and we semi-turned our back on it and we just keep going at, 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 at what we do. It's moved from a fuel source to a leisure activity place now because the amount of people walking here, it's like back in the 80s. If you told somebody that it was going to be like this, they'd laugh you out of the place. But it, it's all for the good. I didn't really think it affected me because, yeah, the bog is the bog. I don't do much with it. Then I came down the farm to the Badland one day and I met the water and I was going, oh, flip, what's going on here? So myself and Jack, we locked horns once or twice over it. <laughs> so basically what I'm saying, right, we're farmers. We are trying to earn a living, but we're not the enemy. You need some boots on the ground and it'll have to be local interaction. A lot of the guys here, there's a few very intensive guys, but because of the land, they're not absolutely intensive, but they are a bit like a super tanker and, and trying to turn is going to take a long time. You're not going to get everything you want straight away and to look for everything you want straight away, you're going to meet a lot of pushback and resistance. But if it's in small steps incrementally, and if you explain what you want and, and why you want it, you, you have a much better chance of, of getting at least part of the way. Like, a farmer, basically all he wants to do is earn a living to maintain his standard of life. And if what is happening here starts to impact on his standard of life, 
or his way of earning a living, he's going to push back. And this is the thing, we have to sort of change this sort of conflict story and change it into a more cooperative story, which means that people actually have to listen. When a landowner is on board with what we want to do, we're willing to kind of work a solution that suits everybody, things can happen. And it's getting that sort of real honest discussion going that can lead to somewhere. Oftentimes, the last people to be consulted about any given subject are the young people. I'm 14 and I can't vote. But sometimes if you can't vote, it's like you don't matter. But we do matter. And so does every member of a community invested in treating our peatlands differently. My name is Paddy Malone and I am a public liaison officer on the Farm Peat Project. I actually directly work for a company called Irish Rural Link. So obviously we are a rural Irish advocacy group. It's not just about the peat conversation as a farming perspective. It's about engaging with the people, about hearing their voice and and making sure that their voice is heard on on a national scale, because an awful lot of time they don't have a voice. So you, you will find when it comes to this current topic around the peat conversation, it's very inflammatory. And, and it can run the risk of being a very heated topic. But when you get down and you're talking to the people, they're very, very passionate about their landscape. They have a deep connection with it. They're the people who farm the peat for their turf to, to fuel their fires. But they're also the people who walk it every day. So they definitely have a, a connection to it. Honestly, when we were talking to even the school kids, it was crazy. When you're looking at primary school in particular, it seems to be that there's a new wave coming. We would go in and we put on about a half hour to a 40 minute. What is a bog? Why is it important? And so on. And how does it form? And what does our project do? And why are we doing it? But the amount of times that they would be filling in our sentences, they would be filling in the gaps. And, and some of it could be very, very advanced. They already know about it. They know it's relevant. They know why it's important. And I don't mean just about, you know, peat needs to go to turf to become fuel for a fire. But they're talking about climate change, the climate emergency, the carbon sequestration. When, when, a, when a seven-year-old came out with that to me, I was a bit, that's a big word, you know. They truly understand it. So it's really, really energising from our perspective. Young people prove again and again that they really do care and want to get involved. The community outreach side of the Farm Peat project, we didn't foresee how important it would be. Very quickly, we developed a program called the Love Your Wellies Initiative, which was our community and education outreach aspect of the project. Because the farms end at the gate, but after that gate, that farmer goes out and he's part of a community or a local town. And so we needed to develop a way of engaging with those people because they are just as relevant to the conversation as the farmer himself who's working the land. We first engaged with the eight sites within our project for our school engagement. But after that, we realized that it was much wider. The reach was much grander, I suppose. The Love Your Wellies Arts Competition launched in January with the same concept of engaging schools just around our eight project sites. So it was very much a local competition. And within two days, it had expanded to a national competition purely because of the demand that came from from a national perspective. The concept behind it was that we wanted the students to choose a format and choose a theme to tell us their story. And people entered in their droves. We chose a board game because we thought that a lot of people wouldn't really want to read an essay on why they should or shouldn't do something. It's like Monopoly. It's called Bogopoly. 
We chose to make a Wagner bottle because we wanted to show them how the layers of a raised bog form and what the layers are made of. And we made our school. We made a modern bog because we were inspired by the bog near our school. I made a poster that showed what kind of animals live in the bog habitat and why they need it. I decided to draw a picture comparing the countryside to the city and how it's mainly the city destroying the countryside and the bogs from the CO2. We chose to make a donkey to represent donkeys carrying turf from and to the bogs in the past. He is called Bob the Bog Donkey. We chose to make a painting of Loch Poynton for the Love Your Wellies competition. In olden days, the traditional horse and cart was used for drawing turf from peat bogs. However, in recent years, tractors have been designed for heavy agricultural use. We made a vintage model of a Massey Figgerson case tractor and a new model of a John Deere tractor. Our project was kind of based around the past, the present and the future. In the past, people having like fun on the bog and like only taking what they need. And in the present, we do kind of people taking a little too much and in the future we showed that all the bogs had been like re-wetted. This project was an amazing idea because before this project I didn't know that much about bogs. All I knew is that you probably shouldn't cut them but now I know like so much about them, what lives on it, what type of flowers, there's loads of moss on them. And I think it's very important for us to be able to know this and be able to have this opportunity because we live so close to these bogs. People really need to know how important this is. Prices are going up and sales and gas is going and oil and bogs are kind of our only hope at the moment. I didn't know that they sucked in a whole load of carbon before we did this. I just thought they were just big piles of mud. <laughs> It finished on the 8th of April and we're currently at the judging stage right now. It really is an array that it, it, we didn't think was possible to get in. So that has been fantastic. The public vote will go live within two weeks and there people will have the opportunity to vote in one of two ways, either through Facebook or on Twitter at the Farm Pete Project by just simply liking on the post that they, they prefer and then we intend on announcing all winners by the 10th of June. As far as it goes with getting involved in the future, any schools that want to come to us and talk with us, they are more than welcome to. We try to facilitate everybody. And as far as it goes with the Love Your Wellies Arts Competition, we are again bringing that out in January of 2023. Uh, of course, at the moment, the bogs are what's in the news and people are aware of them and that. They're aware that, oh, that means, oh, I can't burn turf in my fire or, oh God, the government is doing this, that or the other. But if you start talking about the peat landscape and start talking about climate change and the importance of the ecology and the biodiversity, you know, everyone just seems to light up. It's a completely different perspective and it's something that they can relate to, certainly people who live within that landscape. It is a heated conversation, but once this conversation dies out, which it inevitably will do in the next near future, it's not going to disappear from the minds of these kids. The Love Your Wellies competition, the work Farm Peat do, the Living Bog. All of these groups are working to try and restore our attachment to the peatlands as natural spaces, as well as creating truly healthy bogs. Because right now, as Fernando said before, Lots of our peatlands are not healthy. I'm an ecologist. I'm working mainly on protected sites. We work with communities and we work communities in non-protected sites too. But the damage and the emissions coming from peatlands in Ireland, it's much larger than protected sites. You know what I mean? There are many activities that are impacting on 
the quality of abbot peatlands, you know, overgrazing, forestry planting in the wrong locations. But when you look at the overall emissions of damaged peatlands in Ireland, I think there's something like six millions of tonnes of CO2 emitted from peatlands in Ireland. So it is like nearly 10% of the national emissions. And when I talk national emissions, I'm talking about emissions from transport, agriculture, and that comes from peat being burnt, it comes from peat being used for horticulture, peatlands being planted with conifers and drain. The emissions come from different sources. So the role that they can play by those emissions being reduced, maybe not turning into carbon sinks, is, is massive. But that will take thinking about peatlands in, in a completely different manner. Our history is one of extraction. For a very long time, we've taken from the land what we need. The arguments in the Dáil over the past week or two have pointed to small farmers who would take what they considered a small amount of turf to heat their homes. Something that feels all the more pointed when the price of all fossil fuels are skyrocketing. Some politicians are wavering on the issue, but the writing is on the wall in the medium term and even a small amount of harvesting has got to come to an end. You know, it won't all stop on the same day across the whole country, but it is stopping and I think, you know, the sooner we realise it, I suppose, and we can start adjusting our heating systems and just looking for alternative sources, trying to look for more sustainable sources of fuel. But I think, yeah, it'll happen probably slowly, especially in the Midlands where the turf is, it's very traditional and it's very much part of our, the summer is spent, you know, harvesting the turf, bringing it in and then it's there for the winter. Often this is pushed as an argument of city-country divide. People in Dublin not understanding the rural issues, but we all use fossil fuels and we all need to stop as soon as possible. People live in urban areas, may not cut turf, but people across the country are driving even larger cars and not everyone is as thoughtful as you might be about the impact they're having. So perhaps it would be best if we found a real point of connection and what better reason than the life our peatland landscape support. I just kind of love peatlands, they're so interesting and important for the environment in terms of storing carbon and their unique flora and fauna. Oh my god, peatland ecology is so amazing and the biodiversity that's on peatlands in Ireland, you just don't find them anywhere else in Ireland, only on peatlands. So there's lots of colours actually, aren't there? That lovely white that you mentioned is a lichen and when you see a lot of that lichen on a bog you know it hasn't really been disturbed that much you know, for a long, long time. And then the other colours we're seeing here are lovely deep reds and they're the bog mosses, they're called sphagnum mosses and they're the real key to the bog. They help build the bog up and form peat, they hold the water in and they also release acid so they're keeping the conditions of the raised bog nice and acidic which is what the bog plants like. And so it's good for the plants that are adapted to here, not so good for, for other plants. There's one thing about peatlands is that they're really nutrient deficient, so there's hardly any food in the soil for the plants. So in order to get nutrients, they've come up with lots of different ways, and one of the most amazing ways is by eating insects. So we have some insectivorous plants that live on bogs, and they evolved here naturally, and they're native to Ireland with about eight different insectivorous species, and they all evolved on peatlands. So if we lose our peatlands, we lose our insectivorous plants. But there will be areas with the sphagnum. Are, it will be very important to certain species of beetles and spiders and certain species of butterflies and moths. But also for species like curlew. In Ireland, we have very few curlews left breathing. I, I, I don't know the exact figure, something like between 150 and 170 left. And a huge proportion of them are breathing on bogs. But they're breathing on bogs that contain nice vegetation that contain wet vegetation. So they are extremely important for really rare species. This argument might roll on for some more time in the doll and in our newspapers, but eventually, like we said in our first episode back, change has got to come.
you have to reconnect the bog, what remains of the bog, to the surrounding landscape. And, that's, and that is a work that has to happen with the local community for two reasons. One is that they own a lot of the land, and if you start going on to people's land in Ireland, they are likely to have some negative attitudes towards you, putting it mildly. The other thing is that it's a question of you know, what people value. You're trying to look at how can you enrich people at various levels, psychologically, physically, in monetary terms. How can you do that? Thanks Dr Chain and all the people involved with the Eurosite Natural Climate Bluffers Tour, which we joined late last year. Thanks to all of the children who took part in today's episode and the schools too, Brideswell National School, St Evans Monastery Evan and Skullbreed. It's clear from all that you said that you get the importance of protecting our peatlands. Well, I feel like the bogs and peatlands are very important because they're a very significant part of uh, Ireland's culture and history and they also are very good for stopping climate change because they soak in all the carbon dioxide. We think our bogs or peatlands are important because they're a great habitat to uh, lots of different kinds of species and animals. Butterflies, midgets, dragonflies, moths and bees. Birds, including magpies, robins, starlings and wrens, and animals like deers, hares, rabbits, foxes, badgers, frogs, squirrels, to name but a few. They also are a good place for hedgerows and other plants to live. They took tens of thousands of years to form, so if we do lose them, it's going to be an amazing amount of time before we can ever get them back. If you'd like to be involved with any future episodes, don't hesitate to get in touch with junior at rte.ie. was produced by Nikki Cockton. With edit assistance from Ephonia. For RTE Junior Radio. This is our RTE Junior Podcast!